This episode is brought to you by Jergens Natural Glow Moisturizer. There's no age, there's no time frame. Trust the universe. Like it'll come to you and it'll happen for you when it's meant to. And if it's not, that's also fine. You know, 2021 for me is like do the work that you feel passionate about and sometimes that you need to pay bills with, but everything else should bring joy. Be yourself, free yourself. Honestly, your power is yourself, which is the weirdest and strangest and hardest lesson to learn. Like you look at every amazing person who's doing something brilliant They are who they are and you like them because they are who they are. So be who you are. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Lovely neighborhood. We've got another dose of delight this week that'll have you in stitches with the wonderful Tanya Hennessy. As you'll hear Tan discuss in the episode, one of the greatest gifts you can give is a moment of laughter and a little escape from what's been a shit show of a year. Not that anyone needs reminding. And she does that expertly, leading her to become one of our most beloved comedians, presenters, authors, internet creators, and campaigner for adults to be able to order children's meals in pubs. You'll hear from the get-go how effortlessly witty, intelligent, empathetic and honest this woman is and how beautifully she combines self-deprecating, relatable humour with some serious and inspiring messages in between. She's a multi-platform, multi-talented creative delivering us everything from the hysterical viral everyday makeup tutorial video to two and nearly three fabulous books, Am I Doing This Right?, Help Self that just came out, and a children's book to follow soon. I couldn't help but fall in love with her all over again, and I'm sure many of you will too during this episode. Be prepared for a lot of loud laughter in your ears. I hope you guys enjoy as much as I did. Tan Hennessy, welcome to the show. Oh my God, hi. Oh my God, (laughs) hi. My voice just changed completely because I'm so excited. We've already been speaking for 15 minutes. <laughs> I didn't know how to come into the podcast. Like I never know how to like, hey, I don't know, like what's the vibe? I don't know. I know. And because usually we've been chatting for a while, so it's weird to like redo a hello. Right. And you're like, hi. <laughs> Is that your bedroom, by the way? It's so my actual bedroom because we're mid-renovation and I have no other like mildly photogenic friendly would show the public areas in my home no it's fine it's awesome you've got a beautiful house it's so organized and like clean. oh that's because you can only see two percent of it <laughs> now i know this is an audio platform but look what i've got like in the, the closest thing to me is a duck a wooden duck dressed as santa that i got given as a gift after i got my boobs done this is what my boyfriend thought was a good present i was like flowers <laughs> no with, with the weird duck that no one would buy at the shop with a Santa outfit on that's skiing. Like, what the fuck? It's not even, like, hemisphere appropriate, mate. It's ugly as hell. (laughs) (laughs) My boyfriend named it Kevin and I'm like, I hate it. (gasps) Okay, so this is you thinking that our house is clean. These are Paul, our golden retriever's toys. There's Keith with a C, Gavin. (laughs) Keith with a C! 
<laughs> Keith and C is not Keith. It's Seath. Seath. <laughs> This is the shit that makes my life wonderful, right? <laughs> I have a dog called Paul. That's like my dream to have a Pomeranian with a really normal name. It was so that we could just yell Paul at the park and make what? everyone laugh. That's exactly why. Like I want to get like a small Pomeranian called Ruth. <gasps> Ruth. Oh, my God. You actually have to do that. I'm going to get you a Pomeranian for your boob reduction present. <laughs> I tell you, I want a dog so bad. I, feel, I Well, to be honest with you, what I really want is like ducks, which is probably why he got me that fake duck. I really want two ducks or I want llamas or I want a goat or I want like a small pony. Very practical. Well, I've always wanted to be like the eccentric pet girl. Well, I love that you thought the duck wasn't suitable, but actually duck was the first animal that you said. So I feel like he knows you better than you know yourself. Here I am dissing him for this really ugly duck, but actually going, oh my God, he listens when I say So now I'm going to have to give him a birthday, Risty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love you so much. So I don't even need to ask the first question, which for every episode is <laughs> what is the most down to earth thing about you? Kind of feel like you've already just shown us right there. What do people normally say? They say very normal things, but I don't feel like you're going to have normal things. I mean, the fact that you've said give your boyfriend a wristy already, and we're like two minutes in. Oh, I hate doing it. I hate sex. To be honest, it's not my favorite thing because you know when you just get clean and then they're like, oh, and you're like, get off. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I will talk to everyone and anyone and have, you know, sometimes I see people and the way they speak to like some people is different to the way they speak to other people, whereas I speak to everyone the same and I will never change that because I think it's weird when people change their personality to talk to people. It says a lot about them. So true. Oh, my gosh. You are such a breath of fresh air. I absolutely love how you're a self-dubbed bumbling mess but also just casually super successful, (laughs) (laughs) humble, absolutely wonderful recently campaigned for adults to be out at water children's meals at cafes which is like my lifelong mission <laughs> i just adore yeah. everything about you thank you so much s which is a nickname i'm working on for you don't know if we're loving it are you loving it i trying it on for size i kind of like no? it it's you know what no one's ever called me that i like it yeah i like it too i think that's you now <laughs> i am really passionate about eating children's meals at any sort of cafe restaurant or pub <laughs> Like, who, you know, sometimes you go and they're like, got oh, these salad you can't pronounce and it's like got some weird seed in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't want any of this is. I don't want to ask what it is. So it's just easy to get like but a chicken nuggets. Yeah, or just like a children's fish and chips, a children's pizza. <laughs> it's very small. You know what I mean? Just simple. Yeah, straight up. I love it. And then you can have another meal, sort of like a second lunch, which is always great for me. Yeah. Don't you think? <laughs> I'm here for myself. You have also just had, and I'm so, so grateful that you made time while you're mid-recovery, a breast reduction, which is so exciting. And another thing that I think is incredibly down to earth about you is that you share everything, but in a way that helps other people not overthink everything. I feel like we, we get really hung up on certain experiences and and what they mean and how we feel about it. And you're just very open and unfiltered about it. Believe it or not, there's actually so much I don't share, but like, can you imagine how much I don't share if this is what I do share? Like, Jesus. But I always (laughs) just was like, I'm going to tell people because I'm going to look different and I want them to know that I've had a surgery. And also I'm going to be like offline and, but I haven't really shared any, like, you know, I've not been on stories being like, oh, here's my recovery. Cause I'm also really like, I'm like, I'm a comedian. I'm not an influencer. I'm not a lifestyle influencer either. So, like, I don't think people follow me to be like, oh, my God, tell me about your experience or tell me what beauty care you use. They're sort of like, tell me how you use it in a authentic, funny, original, you know, way with an angle on it. So, which is why I did some stories the other day about, like, my boobs and, like, you know, they cut your nips off. 
they cut your nips off and I was like if they cut them off with a nipple cutter like which is like a cookie cutter I was like why didn't I have the option of like a star shape or a Christmas tree you know what I mean anyway like that was my contribution and only thing I've done about my boob surgery because if you're gonna do it do stories and stuff you've got to add value and my value I don't believe is like here's a great skincare treatment it's like here's something funny about something I don't know But I also think that's very relatable because I'm very similar. I'm a chronic oversharer in certain things and then outrageously private about all the other things, which is strange because people are like, oh, you share so much about your life. But you're like, but the things that are private are really private. That's it. And then it's like, for me, it's like a boundary. Mm. You know, I don't know if that's how you feel. I'm like, this is the boundary. Do not cross this boundary. Yeah. Media and otherwise. But to be honest, Sarah, like no one gives a fuck about me in the media. Like everyone's like, look at that girl giving it a crack. And I love that. No one really goes, oh, who's she? How's that wristy going? Or is she going to have a baby? <laughs> like no one really cares. Like kind of love it. Like I got that uh... once and they never made it into the magazine. <laughs> Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's great. I don't see myself as a celebrity, obviously, because that's a fucking strange thing to think of yourself. So, like, I, I kind of love where I sit in the in the media, but, like, no one really cares, but everyone's like, go you. <laughs> that is so wonderful. I love the way you just described that. That's amazing. And I think it's also, like, there's something about bringing that no fucks given attitude that allows you to be that, like to have that beautiful position because you know that you're not going to, they know you're not going to play up to it or like be too controlled by it. It's again, such a breath of fresh air. Do you not think like the media and the paparazzi, and I know I am the media as well, you know, I work in in media, but like they only care about the people who won't give up information. Whereas if you do, they don't care. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's already out there. What have we got that's exclusive nothing? Literally like, oh shit, no, right. Well, there's that, that, there's bare bones on that one. Yeah, the star-shaped nipples are already out in the media, so... (laughs) That is not a scoop, unfortunately. <laughs> well, they did do a scoop the other day. It was like um, on news.com. It was like, Tanya pays for her breast reduction with I'm a celebrity money. I was like, yeah. <laughs> they more expensive, but you know what I mean? Breast- and I write books and you know what it's like. Books, there's no money in books. <laughs> I love how you're like, it's simple math. It's Everyone math. has already worked that out. <laughs> yeah. But what I also love to point out is that I don't think anyone just gets born with that level of balance or boundary or comfort in the place that they occupy in the media or in their life generally. And so my favorite thing about this show is going back to all the chapters that haven't made the media as much and that don't get as much airtime purely because they're like so many years ago, but also because, you know, current things are like the the currency of the media is things that are new and things that are scoops. But I love going through in the first section, your way TA, all the chapters that you went through where you didn't know where you wanted to end up and where you had to put up with jobs that maybe you didn't love or times where you had no idea where you were going because they're all the stepping stones that taught you all the lessons to get you to this beautiful place that you are right now. Way TA. Fuck me. Why am I not listening to this fucking podcast? It was one, but it was ages ago, and I've just not listened to many podcasts this year. Because you haven't had time. I was looking at what you've done. I'm like, Jesus, woman. I don't think I've listened to I listen to one podcast, and that's it. And I don't even listen to that that often. I need to get involved in this pod. You need to get around it. It's also called your pathier. I mean, the puns are just forthcoming. Oh my god, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so take us back to young Tanya, the wonderful Nova Castrian from Belmont. What were you like as a child? Was it always acting that you wanted to get into? From what I read, it was the tender age of three or four. Tell us about Oh, you that. know, um, my pop was like um, super into musical theatre and he was a singer, actually.
actually, and he used to tour around and sing in nursing homes and stuff, even when he was, you know, he used to be a radio announcer and he's got the most beautiful, well, he did, he had the most music, amazing tenor voice, like this really high-pitched voice in this, you know, big man. Like, oh. And he actually auditioned for the um, I Like Aeroplane Jelly. <gasps> right? Yeah. So Iconic. He, so he was like a boy soprano and he caught the train from Newcastle to Sydney to audition and the reason he didn't get it, because they wanted a boy, was because he didn't look at the audience. And ever since then my pop like has instilled in me that you have to connect with the audience, which is probably why I'm so intense with my audience. <laughs> you know, I learned this hectic lesson because my pop was like, if I had have looked at the audience, my life would have been different. Oh my gosh. So that's why I'm so connected to my audience because you have to be to win. And and he didn't, but he won in so many other ways, you know, uh, but he taught me about the person and the creative I wanted to be. We watched TV, we'd watch the Music Man showboat. Like I was singing these like hectic love songs from, you know, the, the Music Man when I was a child. Like it's really like a cool love song. And I used to go to singing lessons and I used to do drama. And, you know, when I was at school, no one really, like I was never put in the plays and I could, kind of couldn't be myself at school, but I could be myself at home. And I used to like do performances for my parents. <laughs> I did many a performance for my parents. They are so patient. Aren't they? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I feel so bad for them. But actually, you know, I just finished a book literally two days ago, the second draft about a kid. Oh, you want, here's an exclusive. My <gasps> children's book is called, I don't even know what to tell you. I'll tell you anyway. It's called Drum Roll Please, It's Stevie Louise. And it's about a little kid who puts on shows oh. in the backyard and, and then they go <laughs> at an old people's home. Oh, my gosh. That's so beautiful. Cute. And see, already I love finding out that the reason why you connect with your audience now, which is what's allowed you to grow such a beautiful, big, loyal community is from your grandfather. That is so beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when he died, it was 2018, and, like, I still am not over it, you know. Like, I've only been able to talk about it this year and it's, like, been two years since. I still can't look at photos. Oh. But, you know, when someone has such a profound impact on your life, you kind of can't forget them and they live inside you, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And uh, he taught me so much and I, I wanted to take what he and if he, if he hadn't have had to, you know, have worked in the time that he did, he would have been a full-time creative, but he couldn't. And I'm fortunate that I am able to live in a, a time where I can be a full-time creative and I'm going to make use of that and never, ever take it for granted because some people can't for whatever circumstance. Mm. You know, like I know that I'm lucky and blessed that I'm able to do what I do every day and that somebody harnessed and, and trust and gave me that gift you know, as a kid. And so I'm like so scared, but also really nervous and excited to have kids because I want to pass that on to them. But it's also such a big thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, the and they're like, fuck off. I want to play cricket. And I'll be like, you're on your own. <laughs> I got no skills there. Can't help you. <laughs> I'm so scared if my kid plays soccer, I'll be like, shit. <laughs> but what I love as well is that so many children do really love theatrical expression and creativity when they're younger and very often it's kind of beaten out of you because it's not a good career move and it's a very different thing it's competitive but reading that you went on to actually study it like you kept it in your mind as a career option getting into a performing arts school and then going and doing theater at uni like you kept it alive as an actual potential life path But then ended up with half a diploma in education, so nearly taught. <laughs> so I always, because people always, someone wrote to me the other day on Facebook, they were like, hey, just wondering, like, who wrote your book and... Um, Why are they so fucking funny? <laughs> like, who wrote your book and, like, do you just, like, give ideas to, like, a writer or something? And I was like, I fucking wish I wrote that book from scratch. Uh, I have a one and a half degrees, I'll thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> one and a half. It's just so embarrassing. But I love that it's written down like that everywhere. It's a half a diploma in education, like everywhere. It's like not dropped off at all, but it's not put in as like a full double degree. It's just always hard. I'm like, okay, well, i got to mention it then. Please, because I'm just like stoked that I managed to, outside of uni, actually do half a degree. Because, you know, studying whilst you're, I was at uni, sorry, I was at uni whilst being on air full time. And that's really tough. I mm. found it quite interesting, but studying online is a really hard thing. So I'm like, yeah, you... People, you will appreciate that I did half half a degree. <laughs> um, was that tangent a little bit of the safety blanket, what happens yeah. if performing arts doesn't work out? Like is that where that mentality came from or did you actually think you might want to do teaching? Okay, so here's the thing. A friend of mine, a fantastic human being. I don't know why I'm, I'm talking about all these people who've passed away, which is it's strange, but he came to my school, his name was Scott Allen. He came to my school and he said, he was a lighting designer, you know, he's a few years older than me. And he goes, don't have a backup plan because you shoot for the moon or nothing. And I remember being like, oh my, I was 14. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was drunk when I was 14. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just remember sitting in this class saying like, oh my God, like he's right, don't have a backup plan. And I messaged him when I was doing my degree. I was like, oh fuck man, I'm doing a backup plan. And he was like, like from 14 to when I was like 26 was a really long time. You know, he was like, what? I was like, that that conversation is over, Tanya. Yeah, he was like, I don't even, you know when you just speak and you don't even remember shit? Yeah. I'm a class as well. It wasn't just me. Like, (laughs) He's like, who are you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He was like, oh. And he's like, well, you don't need a backup plan because if you've got something to fall back on, you will always fall back. But if you've got nothing, you will never fall back. There's nothing to fall back to, so it'll push you forward. And that piece of advice has been monumental. And I'm not saying to people listening to this podcast, don't have a backup plan. I'm saying. <laughs> don't have a backup plan. <laughs> I'm saying that you have to want it so fucking bad that you can't have a backup plan. This isn't an industry you choose because, oh, it looks fun. It's fucking brutal. It's harsh. It's hard. You want to give up almost every single day. But the only reason you keep going is because you've got something inside of you that's creative. You want to tell a story. You have an idea. And that, that is a fire that just can't be ever put out. It's like this fucking forever burning fire that just you can't not have lit. And if you are somebody who is easily going to put out that fire, this industry is not for you. You need to back up. That is such excellent advice and such an, an important insight for people who do want to get into what is an industry that you have to accept the realities of. Like it can be very glamorous. It can be incredibly exciting and dynamic, but most people have a very, very tough pathway to get in. And as I loved reading, you know, it does involve being a busty prostitute here and there and working <laughs> as a clown at Luna Park. <laughs> you know, people go through shitty jobs to get there, but you have to want it enough to get through that time because no one just wakes up at the top. No one wakes up at the top. And if you, if you do, it's not good for you because you kind of have to do all the shit down below. Like, you know, when I started in radio, I was a producer and I got like burgers thrown at me and, I, you know, crazy hours and just being yelled at consistently. And, you know, it's hard on the ego. You kind of, you just can't survive this unless you desperately have something to say or mm. desperately have something you want to put into the world. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. It's too harrowing. It's really fucking hard. Like <laughs> when I have a kid, I'm going to be like, girl, honestly, do you really, really want to do this? 
I really love though that you don't skate over like this is why I go back to all these chapters because we're such an instant gratuity focused society that we we have a goal and then we're like I want to be the goal I want to have a million followers I want to be doing what I love every day like what is this idea that we have to love our job it's such a 21st century concept isn't it because of that and because we are lucky to be able to get there a lot of the time people just forget that most people have so many shitty chapters like there are a lot of shitty chapters to get to the good bits but I like kind of rehashing them just to remind people that everything's a stepping stone and like you just can't skip to the end you wouldn't get to who you are without those parts but I also reckon there's so many like even now right people go this is the good bit I'm like yes it is that I'm really grateful and I I do have the best fucking life but also like I get rejected still constantly you know I got rejected the other day from a, a tv show that I really wanted to do I've been denied five times by a prediction particular production company because my tv show writing is not there yet it's not the writing it's the idea you know what I mean like I constantly you know I fail in um auditions and don't get stuff and there's so much stuff that yes stuff is going great and I obviously I'm stoked but there's so much rejection and stuff on the side. You know, you might do something, but you don't know how you got there. And maybe the process wasn't as fun, as easy, as breezy, as cute as you would imagine. Because my job is to entertain. It's not to go, hey, this is fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. like a big part of like what I want to do is create escapism for people because life is fucking shitty sometimes. And a lot of people are having a tough time. And I want to be like, hey, here's three minutes of a lull. Here's a little bit of a book that might take you out of this space here's a podcast here's something just because life can weigh on you and I I know that feeling and I want to like pull it away like you know people live fucking hard lives and to give them three minutes of just a bit where they get to like click out of that world is is amazing and if, if I can do that for somebody I'm doing my job and you were so extraordinary at it. Like I have not laughed as hard as I have during your books, during your everyday makeup tutorial, like just so fucking hysterical. But before we move on to how some of the things you touched on just then that I think are so important, the fact that we do only see the successes, we don't see all the stuff that happened along the way to get there, and that it can be quite consuming to be a creator of joy because yours then falls kind of sometimes to the bottom of the list in producing all that stuff. Another thing that I picked up that I think is so wonderful about your story is that you said before, I don't know why I'm mentioning all these people, and I think it's because at so many key sliding doors moments or junctions in your life, there has been a key person. And we all have this idea that you can't phone a friend, like you've got to do it all alone. But you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And they're the people who will put you on the right path or the, or the wrong one, depending on like who you consult. And so your grandfather, then the, the lighting director. I read that you moved into radio in the beginning because one of the Disney actors that you were dressing suggested it. And then the YouTube video started because of Jules Lund, like at each yes! stage there are like key people form key moments and I love that in your story also this is so nice for you to say this to me because I I don't see myself outside myself you know um I also like to like give thanks and and stuff like I think it's so weirdly narcissistic to be like well I did it all myself and here I am (laughs) that's a weird way to be I I always want to be like hey this person helped me fucking thanks to this person and I want to shout them out and give them airtime because no singular person can do anything singularly (laughs) 
<laughs> you just don't think it's possible. Support is a huge part of the arts and creativity. I know there's this like myth of creatives being by themselves and being these weird geniuses or whatever. I definitely don't fall into that category. Mm. I like to be around people. I'm very inspired by people. But the people I'm most inspired by are like people that are cotton on. Like I'm inspired by really arguably mundane things like that's what really ignites my creativity like most people are like oh it's Paris and I'm like oh it's a Westfield food court Uh, (laughs) like it's super weird but yeah like Jules definitely helped me Christian Hull really helped me um and you know my mom is a supporter like I've had so many fucking amazing people on the sidelines cheering me on and helping me and you know the thing that I did which was really extraordinary is listened I listened when Jules Lund told me to do that thing I listened when my pop said that I could do it I listened when Scott said there's only (laughs) don't have a backup the extraordinary thing about me is not that I do it but it's just that I continue to do it and I fucking listen And I love that because sometimes if we're left to our own devices and we listen to our own thoughts echoing around in our head, you wouldn't necessarily come to the right decision for yourself because you can't see yourself outside yourself. And I love that starting in theatre doesn't automatically mean you are ever going to discover that you are wonderful at comedy. You are wonderful at giving us a moment of escapism and somehow you kind of diverted in all these weird directions until you found the way to deliver that and now you you're there and I just it took me a really long time you know like one year like you're one year older than me when I sort of first really start I was 29 started to get traction on the internet like people people think oh you know I'm 22 it's not working it's like no No. You've just been born. Like, you know what? Like, Ricky Gervais didn't write The Office, which is arguably one of the best television series ever to be fucking written until he was 42 or 41 or something. You know, like, there's no age, there's no time frame. Trust the universe. Like, it'll come to you and it'll happen for you when it's meant to. And if it's not, that's also fine. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, you are so wise. (laughs) Like, I was thinking about doing, like, what do you think about this? Like, a motivational sort of comedy motivational tour where where I'm like, get the fuck up. You can do this. Absolutely. It's like, you know, go the fuck to sleep. The book. Yeah. Like that, but for self-help books that, I mean, even the fact that this, your new book is called help self is just so freaking genius. I love it so much. And the other book, your first book, am I doing this right? Again, just touches on like everything that all of us are feeling about just being like a total mess in life. Before we continue with this instalment of Yay, just got a little hot tip to share as get your legs back out season is upon us. While the pasty glory of my immediate post-ISO skin needed a lot of extra help, now that my skin has a bit of natural colour back, I've been absolutely loving Jergens Natural Glow Moisturiser that has a built-in gradual glow while deeply hydrating your skin at the same time. This way, you can build some colour gently over several uses without any streaks or odour and avoiding any flaky dry skin, especially on those knees and elbows. I moisturise all over my body daily anyway, so building up some bronze while I do so is a dream. The firming range also visibly firms up the skin over seven days, which is always an added bonus. I'll pop the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. Want a scoop? I have not written any of my titles of any of my books, including the kids' book that I just told you about. I've not written any of the titles because I can't. I actually, I think I even wrote in the back of Help Self a bunch of titles that I pitched. I'm wearing 
pyjamas underneath. Oh, mate, me too. Uh, you're lucky I'm wearing pants, to be honest. Thank God. Are you cold? No, you look like you're, like you're wearing a jumper. Yeah, it's a little chills, little chills yeah. down here. It was like 30 degrees yesterday, though. This is why I have trust issues. Girl, same. That's what I wanted to call my podcast, by the word. Wait, girl, same. <laughs> okay, so here it is. Um, this is a list at the back end, a list of titles for this book my publisher vetoed. Live, laugh, live, oh, sorry, love, laugh, live, sexy. The Compass to a Sexy Future, <laughs> Self-Help Handbook for the Lazy, Self-Help but Sexy, Sexy Self-Help, The Ultimate Guide to Sexy Self-Help. Like she was like, no. She's <laughs> like, do you know that they're all just using the same three words, sexy, self and help in different variations? I know because I was like, I just think sexy is really funny. And then I had a Compass to a Sexy Future and then the last name that I actually really wanted this book to be called was Hurricane Hennessy. But she was like, <gasps> I know. And she was like, no, because that doesn't speak to what the book is about. And so I was like, great, I'll use that title for my next book. <laughs> I know. But, okay, so many things jump out at me about this book. Firstly, the goat who has daddy issues yoga pose. Really enjoy that creation. I think it's absolutely spectacular. So niche. How to make a penis colada. Very <laughs> sexy also. Modern ways to get out of things. Spirituality for the lazy. Like you're just, you're just saying all the stuff none of us will say but we really feel. Can I tell you, one of my favourite bits in this fucking book. <laughs> I do, I do and don't for spirituality and it's like do you know seek somebody who's like <gasps> don't see a man in a van who claims that he knows everything about crystals <laughs> go to the crystal and yell your wishes at it don't see a medium ask him if he knows elvis you know it's like <laughs> so dumb but it's just like this great premise for comedy you know because we know the, the, the joke is obviously I don't need to explain it but like we all know what is so societally acceptable but to pull it so far the other way is just like a really great space for jokes which is why I wanted to write this book that was like everything that you think of self-help pull it you know right the other way and just like look at this ludicrous way that you could live and then it sort of smacks you back in the face with a, a bunch of like legitimate help <laughs> and then like lols again at the end so I know it's like penis collada deep dive into mental health and then back to like sexy yoga goat pose I'm like man this woman is versatile <laughs> yeah. well see I really wanted to write a legitimate book on career like a career book about like how you can blah 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 and manifest and blah blah but uh my publishers were like I think you still need to write some comedy so this is, was a compromise. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, so I'm still a little bit funny. Okay, but interesting question. You are the first comedian to come on the show Ooh. in over 100 episodes. What makes a comedian? Like when did you decide, when, when do you kind of become that title in your journey from Ooh. regular radio and just observational humour and just being a general hilarious human? Like when does it take the jump into I am an actual comedian my realm is comedy. Like, how do you know you're funny? Because I think I'm hysterical. No one else thinks I'm funny. funny. So I'm like, well, that's just not going to work. <laughs> you're really quick. You're very funny. Oh, thank you. Oh, my God, don't. I might take this too seriously and, like, become a comedian. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're announcing your Melbourne comedy. <laughs> my tour to my grand audience of two. <laughs> Paul and what's his name? Keith, Keith with a C. C. <laughs> C. Um, you know, I, 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 I used to do a lot of stand-up um, you know, when I was like 25, 26, 24, uh, I never considered myself a comedian then. Um, I was just knew I wanted to make jokes. I think like I was always a bit chubby and weird at school and like I just sort of sat into the comedy realm quite well. I, I think they, they don't say you, um, you they say you hear comedy. Comedy is like music. It's rhythmic. 
um, you know, you can hear the ins and outs of jokes. And, and sometimes when you watch like a comedy film or if you ever watch a comedy video, you'll notice that the editing is almost a comedian themselves because the edit has jokes in and of itself. And that's like a skill too. So I guess like the way I like found out maybe I was a comedian was when somebody told me I was. Like I just saw it in a magazine one day. It was like Yahoo. I said, no, no, not a magazine. It was like a, an article. When I first did my, my video about um, the realistic makeup tutorial, people were like, comedian. They weren't just like, idiot, <laughs> woman. <laughs> like, the, the description was comedian. I was like, well, if this magazine says I am. And then, like, you know, I still do, I still uh, touch on darker, deeper stuff, but I just prefer comedy. It's, it's always so, like, socialist, it's political, it's, you know, it's everything that's going on. I think comedians get a rap for not being smart, but I think comedians are the smartest people in the world. Absolutely. Deep and complex people as well. And so the more I live and the more I hang out with different peoples and different peoples, people in the world, I, I realise I am a comedian only because I connect with a comedic brain. I connect with other comedians. But I don't think being, comedian, being a comedian means you are just funny. Like you can be everything. You know, like I'm also like a woman, mental case. Uh, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I, I think there's so many shades of fucking grey to, to that. Like, yes, I can be funny, but I can also be really thoughtful as well. I think that's what's really cool about this day and age as well is that like that intense need to put us into discrete categories is kind of fading away. Like people can be so many different things at once and it can change like year on year or month to month. You can be an author and then you can be a comedian then you can be a political commentator. Like you can people are more accepting of you exploring all those sides of yourself rather than being like, well, what are you? Just get back in your comedian box. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. and it wasn't until I did the stand-up tour last year that people started to be like, oh, okay, you're a comedian. And it's like, yeah, I'm really fucking funny. Glad (laughs) you're on the same page now. (laughs) This proof. Oh, you've done stand-up, so you're a comedian. And it's like, Hamish Blake is one of the best comedians in this country. When has he done stand-up? Right. That's fascinating. What about success? The really big part of the whole idea of CZA is kind of dropping that need to chase success and productivity and being busy all the time, which is so natural and such a side effect of this day and age. But I think at some point we all hit a moment of realising that's such a static thing to aim for, doesn't last very long, is infinitely measurable, but also not necessarily fulfilling. And kind of happiness and fulfilment is maybe a better metric to measure where you're at. What's your that's relationship? Oh, <laughs> Girl, I just take other people's quotes and rework them. <laughs> oh my God, you are not writing down something that I just said. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't quite get it, so I might have to get you to repeat it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're so right. And I think so. And it's so nice to hear you say that because that rhetoric does not exist, you know, because people just want to be like, you're successful, you're happy, bye. I think we conflate them. Like people literally think they're the same thing. Yeah, it's like you see someone like Justin Bieber or Selena Gomez or whatever, these big celebrities who are going through this fucking harrowing time and people are like, how dare they? It's like money doesn't mean they are happy. (laughs) If anything, I think it almost makes happiness more difficult because you don't have the the, kind of the hustle. They live by a different set of rules so their mind... 
Like it's hard. This is a psychologist. The psychologist doesn't understand them. Ah, oh, the empathy for these big celebs. And look, I know that some of Justin Bieber's done some shitty things, but I also think like poor kid. Like I feel, I do feel for him. Like I know he's rich, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't have a body or a, a soul and a heart. And a, yeah, you know, mental health doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter how rich, famous you are. Like money and fame doesn't mean anything. You know, with mental health. Um, Yes, I think that success is a complicated thing. I'm not driven by success. I'm a dr- driven by work, the work. Like yeah. I want to write this story. I want it to like my kids' book. It's like that's what fills me, not the promotion of the book. I don't really like I'd love for people to buy it because I really took time to write it <laughs> and I think <laughs> the story's good. But like, yeah, being doing a podcast and doing some really good content and having people connect to it is like really great. That's what drives me. I think the idea of success doesn't exist for me. The only reason I care about it is because if people buy it, then I can continue to do it. Yeah. It's part of your process of the experience, not as a like destination by itself. Mm-mm. I learned that a while ago. Isn't that interesting? We all kind of, I think we all start that way because that's the way society frames success. And of course, when you're like, you start your you know life at 14 and nine months in a McDonald's making $5 an hour, like it's a good goal to have to be like successful and stable and financially secure and all that stuff. But I think we all do hit a strange point in our relationship to success where you realize actually it's not, it's important and it's valuable, but cultivating your happiness is a totally separate exercise. Like they're not just one and the same thing. Yeah, like I get so much joy from writing because a lot of people have been like, oh, can't you do some videos? And I'm like, I love to write. I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like I can tell my stories really clearly. I love, like, I love words. I, love, I just, and this, like writing a narrative, I know I should be talking about help stuff, but my Stevie Louise book is like got a full narrative, you know, beginning, middle and end. It's 16,000 words. It's like a babysitter's club meets Hayden, Alison, Ashley. Oh um, my God, stop it right there. But it's funny. That is my whole entire childhood. I Me too. cannot wait to read it. Yeah. It's very much modelled off Hayden, Alison, Ashley because it's a character called Addison. Like, you know what I mean? And Stevie is this little anxious kid. I've got a kid in a wheelchair who's like this fierce, she's a writer and it's just, it's really diverse and it's, I'm really proud of it. And same with Help Self. I'm really like proud of some of the, the rhetoric and discussion that there is in this book. And so like, I don't, if it's successful, great, means I can write more. But if it's not, I'm also fulfilled in the fact that I've written something, got, got my shit. Some people just cannot put pen to paper. Mm. And I've fucking done it three fucking times. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's a success in itself, overcoming your own neuroses and mm. doubt to, to put your shit on a shelf and go buy my shit is a pretty big deal. <laughs> Absolutely. And that is the perfect segue into the next section, which is the NATA, all the stuff that just blows the yay up and causes a shitstorm along the way, but equally teaches us probably the most important lessons to continue on that journey. But before we move to self-doubt, which is one of the biggest topics of the whole podcast. I bet. Yeah, it's literally the main recurring theme. Yeah, of course. Something I think is so interesting and important to delve into. But one of the things I picked up just then that you said is that you love writing and I think that shone through so much in your first book being the first time that you'd actually penned your form, your unique kind of brand of comedy on paper. And I think we do get this really intense sense of obligation to do the things that we're good at that other people like. Mm-hmm. And so because you're good at videos that are hysterical and people love them, it's like, well, why aren't you doing more of that? But you don't 
have an obligation to do stuff just because you're good at it, at it, especially not to the exclusion of stuff that you actually like. And so I was a really good lawyer. I did not like it, but I felt like I should use it because like you should use the things you're good at. But I love that you're just like, actually, I love writing. I, I'm, I was really good at advertising. My minor is in advertising. Wow. I know. <laughs> Fuck, if anyone listens to this podcast, they'll hear more about me on this podcast than they have on any other podcast <laughs> or any other like, interview I've ever done. I'll be like, holy shit. Um, that- People always say that. They're like, what did you, did you drug me before we did this no, show? No, no, no. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you're really warm and you like, you're an empath and you know, you care. And I think people like respond to that more so than like apathy or like, you know, you really want to do this podcast and that passion creates passion and it, you know, like you're, you're a fabulous communicator. So like, that's, that's what it is. Um, and that's an incredible trait that not every single human being has. So that's awesome. But, um, yeah, like I, I loved advertising and I got uh, a scholarship to work at Saatchi and Saatchi and I was like, no, I don't want it. And I turned it down when I was in my second year. Um, they wanted me like to start and still be at uni. And I was like, no, nah, I want to be creative. And it's the same. Like I would have made so much money. Yeah. But I was like, money doesn't interest me. That's so, and that's early to have that revelation as well. 20. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And go you for not needing to go down the pathway of having that whole career just to like tick it off. Oh, because I've never like, like I said, my desire to tell stories, my desire to like create is louder than any other voice. Like I'm so self-doubting, but like my desire to create is louder than the self-doubt. Oh my God. Okay. That is just so powerful. The idea that we're always going to have all the voices. It's just like turn down the volume on some and turn up the volume on others. I think I spent the first few years of my career waiting for the self-doubt to just go. One day I'm going to be confident and like sure of myself enough. I will have done enough therapy to like not have this feeling. Yeah, well, you've got enough life experience. You've hung around enough people. You've done enough events. You've done enough fucking bullshit. So you're like, I'm here. Yeah, but I now I'm <laughs> like the day I don't have nerves and I'm worried about doing a good job is the day I'll be like, man, you're complacent. Like you're, you don't care about doing a good job. It's actually not a bad mechanism to have. You just have to not listen to it as if it's true. Yeah, you just got to hear it. And then just like let it go, um, which is easy with some things, but other things, you know, I'm like the world's biggest catastrophizer, like, <laughs> you know, like it's actually like listed as a special skill on my resume. It's only um, LinkedIn, right? I, I'm pretty sure I can, I can endorse you. Yeah, please. I'll take <laughs> one thought and magnify it and like blow up a workplace over my own thoughts in my head. But yes, I have a, uh, a volume switch that I can't actually turn off. The knob broke uh, when I was about eight and the <laughs> technology these days is just fucked. It's shit. And I've got a, you know, an 85 model, so you know it's shit. Oh, yeah, mate. 89 like not that much better. Yeah, you, yeah, they're, they're both the shittest models, but yeah. it's the one thing I'm the most fortunate for this broken knob that tells me, uh, here's an idea. What about this? You could do something with this. What about this? Do you like this? There's an angle for this. What do you reckon about this? You could do a documentary. You could do this. What do you think about this? Why does this person do that thing? Do you reckon you could do a documentary about prisons? Blah, blah, blah. You know, like that thing is louder than you're not good enough. You're not funny enough. Everyone's going to find out that you're not good enough. Everyone knows your shit. You're really embarrassing. Mm. You know, people think you're really cringy. Blah, 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 blah. You know, like all of those things, I hear them, but the things that are louder are, hey, let's do this doco about women in prison, (laughs) which is maybe (laughs) I'm thinking about creating. (laughs) Oh, my God. Do it. I'm just obsessed (gasps) with prison. Oh, my God. Okay, I have some people to introduce you to. So on Necker Island last year, (gasps) Piper Kerman 
Yes. The original Orange is the New Black Lady. Yes, 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 yes. I know, I know. Was there. I'm obsessed with prison, crime, everything. Girl. Oh, my God. We have to have a whole separate conversation about this. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with prison. I think it's like I love stories. And it's not like my own. It's like anyone's stories, which, again, ties into the fact at the beginning of this chat where I was like, I'll talk to anyone. Because I'll never discriminate against somebody. Someone's got a fucking fierce story. You'll never know. People that you wouldn't expect, like in a subway line, have the best stories. Oh, my God, and that's I, what this show is. I will it's like- always be here for that story. Like, my story is so fucking boring compared to most people's stories. Like- Stop it. It is so interesting. No, so interesting. like, oh, I'm a white middle-class girl and then I just did what I wanted to do and then here I am. You know what I mean? Like, it's really quite basic compared to some people's life stories. But that's what I love about this platform so much is that it is a, an excuse, really, for me to talk to everyone on the spectrum like from every religion every sexual orientation every gender every like it's been just unbelievable but back to what we're talking about again I'm like so impressed with myself I pulled myself back from a tangent which very rarely disappointing because I can't (laughs) now I'm like fuck what is it what's the tangent um the fact that your brain goes that fast means that if you are able to drown out some of the self-doubt mechanism I imagine burnout then becomes your greater natia because of the inability to tune out and the workaholicness, which is actually the W in your alphabet in the first book, which is alphabetized, which really appealed to my OCD. Really Same. enjoyed that. So it just made it really easy to write. <laughs> yeah, you're like, this is really directing me in a nice way. <laughs> <laughs> How do you manage that when you're, you're an ideas woman? So I had this makeup artist, her name's, I'm all having, like, this is the thing, I hear people, I listen to people and then I regurgitate. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but Sarah Laidlaw, she's this fucking amazing hair and makeup artist. Do you know her? She's fucking. Yeah, when we did the Priceline runway. Oh, shit. Yeah, of course. Oh, my God, of course, because she's amazing. I'm obsessed with her. She's like one of my good amazing. friends. I see her all the time. The first- did you see her ISO creations? Freak. What the actual fuck? I was like, is that you? Is that the same person? How are you doing Oh, that? I love people who are just like fuck off talented. It's so exciting. And you're just like, ugh, who made you? Where are you from? I love you. I love your brain. Let me just kiss that brain of yours. <laughs> she made this book and I can't remember the book's name, but she said to me, you know, people get ideas all the time. It's whether or not you take the ideas, you know. You know, sometimes you see on the TV, you're like, oh, I fucking had that idea or that was my idea or that TV show was my idea or I had that invention for Cheetos that, you know, did this, that and the other or, you know, that was my book concept and it's like because that that idea probably floated through 100,000 people before it landed with you and the difference is that you took the idea. That's a theory. For me, I've never said no to any of those ideas that have come to me. <laughs> yeah. My way of balance is just not using no. Really. Yeah, I'm like simultaneously excited by ideas as I am sometimes drained and exhausted by them. But um, because I've had this operation, I had two and a half weeks of stillness, which I've never had, like in seven or eight years. Even on holidays, I'm a mental case. I'm making content like all the time. I can't stop. Digital content creation is one of the most exhausting things you will ever do because it never fucking ends. (laughs) And what they do is they add more fucking platforms for you to try and create on. And It's like, you know how they say... um this is a teachable moment. Every five seconds I'm like, this is a content creatable moment. Yes, that's Oprah quote. She's like, this is a teaching moment. Don't even start with me on Oprah. I fucking love Oprah. <laughs> love Oprah. Uh, but, yeah, I had this two and a half weeks where I just, like, laid and was really still and didn't do anything and I just loved it. And, you know, 2021 for me is, like, do the work that you feel passionate about and sometimes that you need to pay bills with but everything else should bring joy. Oh, my God. Perfect soundbite for this entire show. I'm just going to put you in the ah! intro from now on. <laughs> A That's why they use me so much. I'm on, I'm a celeb. It's just because I gave a good soundbite, and I was like, I'm good for it. Just- you are just a walking soundbite. <laughs> yes. 
head back. But um, I just want to be like happy and I love my boyfriend heaps. So I want to like probably give him a little bit more time because I'm a bit busy. You know, a few more resties. A few more resties. <laughs> oh my God, amazing. Okay, but I have that exact same problem. Everything is a content creatable moment, particularly if it's a shareable girl. Could create an aha moment for someone else kind of moment. Yes. And I find your job is to entertain. Mine is to spark joy or kind of aha moments in in self-development. Yeah. But I feel like that makes it very difficult when I have clinical anxiety that flares every now and then or Mm -hmm. I just have a breakdown, which happens more regularly than I like to admit. You know, how do you balance the mental health level? It's it's different every time. Like my manager always is like, oh, Tanya's lost it. You know what I mean? Like remember this one day I messaged her and I was like, um, I can't identify if things are real or not. And she was like, oh, okay, someone needs some time off. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just going to clear the calendar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then she's like, um, are you good for like in two weeks? I'm like, oh, I can go back to work now. Like it's quite fleeting and I've just kind of come to the terms with that. A lot of therapy, a lot of therapy and different therapists. Like I talk about in my book, um, I will see a psych, I'll see a Reiki therapist, I'll see a healer, I'll see a psychic, I'll see a medium, all in the same week if I really need it. <laughs> and that's just I mean. like a Monday. It's a Monday, yeah, fucking Monday. Uh, but, yeah, I do a lot of gratitude as well, which is really, really, really good for mental health, and I've only recently learned about that. So I just before I go to bed and every morning I say three things I'm really grateful for and they can't be the same thing. It's actually life-changing. Like I used to laugh at it and I was like, oh my God. those like woo-woo people with their gratitude journals and now I'm like, it actually changes your entire relationship to the world. Yeah, and people are like, oh, it's so lame. I'm like, well, then if it's lame and doesn't do anything, why don't you do it for a week if it's so shit and doesn't matter? And if it doesn't do anything, you've not wasted any time. And if you have, it's great. So just do it. Good one. And um, it does change people's, like it's changed my life. Because I've always been like that girl too, being like, ooh. <laughs> and now I'm like, um, Tom, what do you give gratitude for? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when we were in the jungle, Dilrook, he did, we did gratitude for every meal. And it was really cool to go around the circle and be like, what are you grateful for? And hearing different other, you know, other people's perspective on, on their gratitude is cool. So I want to kind of put it into my family a little bit, just because I want to hear their, what, what they perceive the world to be and what they are grateful for and how that might differ or be the same as mine. I don't know. Yeah, I love that. Well, before we move on to the last section, which again, I do every time I've not left any minutes for, um, but just quickly, what would be your biggest help self tip that you would like people to take away from the book? Or if they don't have a copy and haven't read it yet, what is like the gateway drug that's going to make them buy the book? Mm, That's cool. It's hard to answer that about your own book. No, it's a good one. It's good. It's you're so thoughtful um I would say that if you are or have had a really shit year where you felt really unmotivated or just confused about where you sit in the world or (laughs) it's this year's turned upside down for you or even if it hasn't uh, but you just feel a little bit affected by the change in the world I'd say this book is going to give you not only some laughs but I'm I also think it's going to motivate you (laughs) and it's not going to change the world this book but it might change your outlook and sometimes all you need to change is your outlook I actually think that is how you change the world, by changing people's outlook and by giving them a laugh. Like that makes the world a better place. Right. And sometimes life is hard, but, you know, (laughs) having three different types of Rocky Road recipes is fucking (laughs) funny and just so 
stupid and sometimes the world needs more stupidity you know but also like to team that with some heart there's a great quote in there that is actually not my own because again I listen to a lot of people and take their advice it's from Arnold Schwarzenegger and he says you can either have results or excuses so choose and choose (gasps) and for me that that um, piece of advice has changed my life and so there's no extreme quote like that in there but uh, that quote will kick you in the dick (laughs) And then this book is the next step actually making it happen. I also love in the lead up to the festive season, that whole section on like adult cheese platters that are lame and boring and how you've totally given me permission to just put chicken and cheese twisties right in there. I'm like, fuck yes. Well, because I just think there's all these like weird rules about being an adult that I fucking don't subscribe to. (laughs) Oh, I have fucking nails, have candles, have this charcuterie board, wear heels, friends, talk about this. I'm like, I don't give a shit about any of that. Like I don't like small talk. I don't like, I don't know. Be yourself, free yourself, honestly. Like if you're trying to adhere to some people, some ideal of who you think you should be, this book will tell you don't be that fucker. No one's interested. Your power is yourself, which is the weirdest and strangest and hardest lesson to learn. Like you look at every amazing person who's doing something brilliant, they are who they are and you like them because they are who they are. So be who you are. Oh, my God, that's absolutely, again, another soundbite. I'm just going to make you my introduction now. (laughs) 2021 season brought to you by Tanya Hennessy. (laughs) I'll do it. (laughs) Very last section, Play TA, where we unravel all the things about you that are your title as a comedian, your title as a content creator, all the things that are productive and busy about you. What are the things that you do purely for play? And I kind of describe them as things that, Make you forget what time it is. Ooh, that's a good one. And no one does that because everyone always knows what time it is because it's usually on their phone. Okay, so I would say I like to read. Oh, good. This year I have read fucking every children's book ever and it's been so fun and playful and kids are so great and innocent and lovely and I love children's books. Um, so I've read a good 42 kids' books. Oh, my um, God. Like adult, like junior fiction. So it's, you know, like Morris Gleitzman and, and Paul Jennings and. I have this image of you sitting at the table with your like kids meal reading Spot the Dog. Like, yeah, just... I was like, grow the fuck up. And I'm just like, <laughs> no, because creative creativity lives in a child brain. So I'm going to keep my child brain. I still pay my, I pay my tax, pay my mortgage. I'm good. <laughs> you did not just dab. Oh 35, just dabbed. Um, what else do I do that makes me forget the time? You know, I like to hang out with my friends and do something really dumb, like go to like a random karaoke, like a random plan. You know, when you're like <gasps> with people, like, oh, let's go to this weird tiki bar for no reason. Like, that, oh, you know, let's go to a photo shoot. <laughs> 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 Any sort of spontaneous. I have a friend who's like fucking insane and I'm obsessed with her. I talk about it in my book. Um, she came to San Francisco with me for a a Pixar job um, with four days notice. Like she's mental. Like, and we just had so much fun in San Francisco. Didn't sleep, had pancakes at 3am. Like anything that makes you feel alive. Like if someone goes, can you go like camel riding? I'd be like, yep. I'm going to go. That's what happened to us. That's how we ended up at the Hemsworth Christmas party. Um, Yeah. New Year's party was two days before they were like, so we're in San Diego. And we were like, oh, we're in Melbourne. And they're like, oh, come to San Diego. And we're like, oh, it's the 30th of December. Like, yeah, cool, just get on a plane. We're like, okay. <laughs> I love that. Like, and, and, and I do talk about that in my book about like breaking habits because people love to be habitual. The older you get, you become like a kid again. Sleep this time, work this time, do this. Break that fucking habit. How fun is it? Like I know that you would have had fun in San Diego randomly on like a one-day bender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went. Yeah, 
Like we went for like three days. Like we literally flew for three days to spend three days. It was amazing. What is money for if it is not for three days of like miscellaneous travel? Why work your whole life and do this job if it can't bring you like an extreme amount of joy and people who are guilty for feeling joy? Why? Love. Love your fucking shit. Do dumb stuff. That's the best. (laughs) Buy a duck on fucking skates wearing a fucking Christmas vest. Buy it. Do it. (laughs) And also, I think his name should now be Kevin with a C. (laughs) Kevin. Seven. Seven. Okay, at this point, we had clearly been having so much fun that we missed the fact that Tanya had an appointment. So we didn't have time for the second last question, the three interesting things that don't normally come up in conversation, although I feel like she's speckled so many of them through the episode. So we're finishing up with Tan's favourite quote. Oh, my favourite quote is, I've got, I've got so many. Okay, No Day But Today from Rent, because Rent is the best musical ever. I've got Go Instead Where There Is No Path and Leave a Trail, because I've lived my life by that. And the other one is the, the quote... Uh, about excuses and results. Oh, and I have one more. I've got four. Okay, the other one is I'd rather be terrified and do it than be terrified and not do it because either way you're terrified. Oh, oh my God. Most amazing way to end. Tan, thank you so much. You are an absolute legend and just appreciate you so much. Oh my God, I appreciate you. You're so smart and wonderful. I'm so glad that I did this podcast. You're a little angel. I actually adore this woman and I hope you guys felt as much yay as I did during our chat. I think we both forgot we were recording for most of it, so I hope the full unleashing of our crazy didn't blow your ears off. This week, it's been a year since our first and only live show with Olivia Molly Rogers, which reminds me how often I do forget who's listening or that anyone is actually listening. So how much it truly means when you guys share what you thought or took away from the show on socials, because otherwise we don't get to hear from you. Please do send Tan some love if you enjoyed listening, tagging at Tanya Hennessy and myself so we can reshare and keep spreading the yay. Only a few episodes to go this year and we'll be taking a little break in January to plan out a bigger and brighter 2021 for you all. Hope you're all seizing your yay.